How much of my mother has my mother left in me? How much of my love will be insane to some degree? And what about this feeling that I'm never good enough? Will it wash out in the water or is it always in the blood? Much of my father, am I destined to become? Or will I dim the lights inside me just to satisfy someone? Or will I let this woman kill me? Or do away with jealous love? Or will it wash out in the water? Or is it always in the blood? I can't feel the love I want. I can't feel the love I need But it's never gonna come the way I am Could I change it if I wanted? Can I rise above the thought? Will it wash out in the water? Or is it always in the blood? Much like my brothers, do my brothers wanna be? Does a broken home become another broken family? Will we be there for each other like nobody ever could? Will it wash out in the water or is it always in the blood? I can't feel the love I want. I can't feel the love I need But it's never gonna come the way I am Could I change it if I wanted? Can I rise above the flood? Will it wash out in the water? Or is it always in the blood? Good morning, everyone. How you doing today? All right, let's just, I'm going to ask you to just stand, and then we're going to go ahead and, wor- and just worship the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come to you today. We just thank you for your presence here. We thank you for the chill that's in the air that reminds us that, uh, yes, we're in November. And, um, and Lord, we just uh, pray that um, you will speak to us today. We're going to be talking about um, winning the hand you're dealt. And so, God, um, 
whatever we're dealing with to come in here, whatever's been dealt to us as we come in here, I just pray that, um, God, you will show us there's a way through you. So let's just worship you. Let's set everything aside, and let's just um, celebrate Jesus. Amen.
anxious, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the king is alive. Amen. All right, just to let you know, Satan's trying to go ahead and uh, get on stuff, choking Michelle up here. Um, <laughs> Every, anytime anybody calls now, you think like, they're diseased with COVID, right? And everybody runs. So everybody in the first row is going to move to the back now. Um, but we're, this is down, but just go with this. Hey, you know them. We'll sing them. And I know you know this song. So let's just sing it to the Lord. It's Holy Spirit. Let's go. Your 
you're aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. what our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence Lord I just pray that we would become more aware of your presence not only here but in each and every step of our lives and each day so God speak to us what you have speak to us today as we just embrace in the presence of your Holy Spirit. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah, I'm trapped in Underwater, can't breathe, suffocating Can't think, yeah, my thoughts be wondering Nowhere to go, guess I'll stand hiding Yeah, yo, feeling so alone The world is kinda scary, so I climb back in my zone Feeling so lost, trying to find my way home Always been an outsider, cast away the unknown I don't know what to do, should I tell my friends? But then again, my friendships may end So I keep it to myself, won't let you in Lord, tell me how much longer before it ends I need to be free to tell I pray the stigma gone, I pray the fear would fail I pray that God will free my mind from this jail cell At least give me some people that I can tell That I can trust Won't write me off as wasted dust I just wish my mind would hush I need a bridge To get from where I am For you, he is 
We're going to go to our time in our prayer uh, list today. A couple things that we want to lift up. I know Michelle Kipp has lifted up their friend Jacob Thomas, who was in a serious car accident on Monday the 26th, has swelling in the brain and and has a spinal fracture, so pray for him. And he has a very young family, his wife, Adrian, who has actually been here at church, and their daughters, uh, Viviana and Graceland. So be praying for them. And also Janine McKinney, co-worker, um, has lifted up prayer for uh, Georgette. Um, her sister Shan gave birth six weeks early to little Sebastian, and his lungs and airway did not have time to develop. So um, he's having problems breathing and eating and swallowing, and then also had... Um, an incision infection. So be praying for this, this young, um, young infant. And then Holly Kip asked for prayers for, um, uh, needs a full-time um, job, so we want to continue to pray for her. And then Emily Hewitt asked for prayers for the family of Joy Heacock. She did, we, I know we've been praying for her for a while, um, and she's a battler, right? Um, so, um, but uh, she passed away this, uh, this morning, so we want to continue to lift them in your prayers um, today as we go there. Okay, we're going to begin with our prayer, um, our prayer list. We have some, uh, also keep uh, Pastor Oog in your prayers and them. They're planning on opening um, the church building, whether the roof is up or not. At the end of this, um, at the, it's, it's Haiti, trust me. <laughs> so they do it all. Um, they, um, but they're going to plan on opening at the end of this year, on the 30th of December. So we're going to pray with them. God's help, they'll make everything. He actually sent me a picture of, of several chairs, um, and also they were doing some baptisms, so they're not letting the grass grow under their feet either, so they're doing a lot of things. Also, for anybody who's in the hospital and those with other kinds of, of deals, and we also recognize that we are still, in case you don't know, as you sit there with your masks, so I know you do, we are still in a very COVID world, so um, we're going to lift up... Um, that prayer, but one thing that is not on our prayer list that needs to be is this Tuesday, um, the election. We want to pray for God's will to be done, um, and sometimes uh, people who love the Lord together have all kinds of different thoughts, but we want God's will to be done you know, for our country, right? Um, and so that we can just really have some peace and sanity. Wouldn't that be nice uh, in this world? Amen. So that's the main thing I want. All right. So uh, we're going to use our Unite 714 prayer once again. I'm going to read... Um, Two verses, one from John 16, 20 to 21, and then um, in Isaiah, I'm going to read a, a, a verse as well. Uh, so here we go. Uh, it says, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. When a woman gives birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born in the world. That's why guys don't have kids, I'm telling you right now. We would remember, wouldn't we? <laughs> so, um, in Isaiah, uh, shall, I bring, shall I bring to the point of birth and not cause to bring forth, says the Lord. Shall I who cause to bring forth shut the womb? So let's pray. Lord, we live in an hour of shakings. COVID-19 still lingers. Our economies are still impacted. And many of our nations are just struck with the pain of divisions and polarization. In some parts of the world, the winds of war are gusting. Your people are being persecuted and millions are on the verge of starvation. Yet, Lord, in the midst of these shakings, we take our stand on the fact that we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaking, according to Hebrews chapter 12. So, Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your kingdom, which is unshakable, and we boldly come before your throne asking for faith and peace we need to take our stand in this hour. We are also thankful for your mitigation of COVID-19 as we cry out for its complete eradication. 
For God, you are incredibly awesome, and in the midst of these shakings, we believe divine uh, contractions are also taking place. These are the birth pangs of revival and the great awakening in our hope and in our prayers. We choose to press forward mightily in prayer, bringing a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit, regardless of what statistics say or regardless of what um, the world seems like. So Lord, may the words of this prayer bring this fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon our lands and resound through the courts of heaven and shake the gates of hell. Send revival. Lord, send revival. We pray that revival will be sent. As you pour out your Spirit worldwide and awaken your church, let us see the conversion of millions of precious souls. So Heavenly Father, we live in an hour with an impending, excuse me, impending sense of revival throughout your church and around the world. Your promise not to shut the womb at the moment of delivery, as Isaiah promises, today we claim that ancient promise to help us persevere in prayer until the spiritual walls of resistance crumble and our world is shaken by revival. For those who we lifted up in prayer, for Jacob Thomas, for Georgette and uh, her sister Shan and Sebastian, for Holly Kip who needs full-time employment, God, we pray that you'll open that door. Um, and and for the Heacock family, and so many other prayers that we have lifted up here today. God, you touch them, and you minister the healings that they need. Not that we desire, but that they need, and that you call to. And in the midst of this, Lord, as your church stands unified in prayer, we pray and claim that you will pour out your Holy Spirit on our planet. Fill us anew and afresh with your divine love. Let us break, let us be, excuse me, be a barricade against the polarization and division, fracturing our cities, our nations, and particularly this week, our country, and regardless what happens on Tuesday, let us recognize that we are not electing a Savior. You, we have one Savior, and you're it. And we pray in his name, the name of Jesus, that, all, that all, all, everyone will one day bow and confess that you are Lord. We give you praise in Christ's name. Everybody says, amen. All right. Okay, we are going to go to our third week, and this is honestly one of my favorite weeks of the messages, but I do want to tell you some things that are going on here. Got a couple things going on. Um, as you know, our Sunday school uh, reopened partially last week, and I was excited uh, to see some of the, the young people, and um, we had a great time with Trunk or Treat the other night. Lots of people came in, and it was good to see. Remember those babies when COVID started? They ain't babies anymore, just to let you know. They're, they're, uh, they're running around um, and keeping uh, keep moving. So, um, but the next time that we're going to have that, space is limited to 15 children as we start this um, off. Um, for Sunday the 15th, so registration will begin on November the 9th. So you can begin to look uh, for those things. Um, again, please take a look at our Stephen Ministry and the things that they're doing. Um, also, on November 14th from 6 to 8 p.m., there will be a Milburn Orchard. It's free. It's, um, it, we're having a, a bonfire and hayride. So again, more information, you can contact kate at havencc.org. Um, and then Paris Foundation, um, the volunteers are needed for the 15th. Seems like the 15th is a big day um, to prepare 70 dinner bags for the Paris Foundation on Sunday, November 15th, and they're going to be dropped off at the Paris Foundation between 3.30 and 4 on that day. And there's several different things to include, like a bag of chips, bottled water, fruit cups, those kind of things that would go in there. All right? Sound good there. Now, um, also, I see, we see some boxes coming in. Right now, we have about 23 boxes so far. Um, and so, um, 
what we do see is um, there's three options to participate. Next week is the, is the big collection day. And so we want to make sure that with this, uh, you have several different options to do so. You can pack a bag and drop off as, I mean, pack a box and drop it off as some of you have already done. Um, others have already begun to build a box online um, and take care of that online, and others are donated, uh, donating money to help get supplies in order to build those. Uh, so I do know next week, uh, after, uh, yeah, that is next week, yeah, the 8th after church, um, people will be uh, going ahead, will have an opportunity for children and anybody else who would like to help out to have a, a box packing party, and they will be doing that outside. We'll have tables across the awning out there, and people can put it together, and if it's cold, you'll want to put it together quicker, all right? So, <laughs> but either way, it'll be a great opportunity for us to do some of that since we don't have our full uh, Haven Kids ministry here so they can put all the boxes and everything together and make sure that we, like we've been able to do uh, before. So, um, but we are still doing it. I didn't set a number this year because I don't know what, how anything's going this year, but I I trust that we will all pitch in and continue to go because, once again, this is not just a box that we can send off and say, oh, look how many boxes we have. Each one of these boxes, when I look at this, when I see 23 boxes that we have, that is 23 children who wouldn't receive anything that are going to get something and recognize that that's from the love of Jesus um, and that they have a God who loves them. So when we look at it that way, let's go ahead and let's... um, in, in, wouldn't it be great in the midst of COVID just to shatter what we've done before? So I, I throw that out there. I'd love for you all to, to give in any way you can or help put things together next week. Um, it's a great opportunity. Jill? Yes. Yeah, if you want to come uh, after church, you can drop off the boxes. But hey, if you're getting up, just come to church. It's okay, right? It's not bad. You guys are all good. So we can do that. All right, so that's a lot of stuff. So a lot of things going on. And in case you don't know it, everybody, today is November 1st. Right? There are how many more days till Christmas? Forget it. I don't care. All right. Um, but I also know that there's some things for, for collections for turkeys and, and Thanksgiving dinners out there, which um, we've done. And this year, there's a great need and not a lot of people who are able to help. So we want to go ahead and continue to do those ministries. What, uh, how many did we have last year? Do you remember? 197. I had 197. So I'm going to challenge you to 200. Only three more, and you can go online too. So hey, you can do this online. You don't have to do anything. Pretty soon, we won't even have to get out of bed. We can just do everything online. Okay, all right. So we are in week three of our series, and um, and we know everybody who sat on the right side today uh, because this is out. But hopefully, you'll be able to see this, and we'll all be good. Um, but one of the things that we're we're doing in the series called Hope for Mental Health, and um, and honestly, today we're going to talk about. Winning the hand you're dealt. And so one of the things that I've learned in my life is when people are hurting, it's not enough just to give them a simplistic truth, but a simple truth. So what am I, what am I saying? So for instance, if someone is hurting, it's not enough to tell them Jesus is the answer. Okay? We know Jesus is the answer. However, we need to often tell people why he's the answer. You understand what I mean there? And so some, uh, if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and take it out. Um, I think uh, if you also didn't get a hard copy one, I think, can we put up the digital thing real, real quick? I forgot to do that to the announcements. So you can go ahead, and if you can go ahead and you get the QR code, you can go ahead and hit that. But one of the things that we see, if you have a Bible, you can also turn to Psalm 139. We're going to be bouncing around a lot. Um, but in Psalm 139, uh, it, it says this. And it says this, thank you for making me wonderfully complex. So actually the Bible, what the Bible tells us is that we are complex. So, so we want to give simple truth. So if you're 
sit next to somebody with your mask on. You can go ahead. You came with. You can go ahead and look at them and say, "Hey, you are wonderfully complex." And and then they can look at you and say, "And you are truthfully simple." Okay, there you go. So somewhere we are somewhere truthful and um, simple and complex, but God intends for us to be complex and wants us to look at every dimension of our lives, not just one area. In Ecclesiastes 7, in the, I love the message version here, it says, a person who fears God deals responsibly with all reality, not just a piece of it. So if you're going to be who God wants you to be, if you're, if you're going to really want to see what God has for you, we are going to have to look at every area of our life, every factor, every facet, every force, and, and deal with them like to see how, what God, how God wants you to be. So today I'm gonna, we're going to look at this subject, winning the hand you're dealt. Winning the hand you're dealt. And I'm going to deal with five factors that influence your life. For instance, I'm, if you go ahead, there's a, the story of Jesus with the parable of the talents. And so each person got a different talent. And each person was responsible for what they had. The one buried it and the master came back and said, wicked servant. Um, because he took what he had and buried. And so one of the things that, um, that I look at time and time again, is that we, um, we are not responsible for the talents that we were not given. You can't be responsible for the things that you weren't given, but God is going to judge us and evaluate our lives, more so, I like the term evaluate, um, on what we have been given and what we've done with the life and the talents that God has given us. None of us have the same talents or backgrounds, or pains, or problems, or potentials, or challenges that anybody else does. And you know what that means? That means we are wonderfully complex, and we are wonderfully unique. Everybody in this room is unique. There is only one of you. And yet, even though we are different, and uh, many of us have highs and lows, there's one thing that is consistent, that you are loved by God, your Creator, and your Father. So there are five factors that we learn from Scripture that I want to talk about that create our identity. I'm going to tell you, you did not choose them, that many of them were dealt to you by God or something else in life. So I want to ask a question. How many of you have ever played poker? Raise your hand. Okay, there we go. We got some people who play poker. All right. So anybody ever played five-card stud poker? Okay, five-card stud poker. Now, five-card stud poker, you have to deal with the cards you're dealt. You can't uh, mix and match them and say, hit me, you can't, you give me more, you know, whatever. That's blackjack, but you know what I mean. Um, deal, I take three or whatever. You can't do that. Whatever cards you get are what you're stuck with. You can't go, I'd rather have his hand or her hand in life. That's the one I want if for, for my game. And you can't do that either in life. You are given certain cards in life, and you have to play the cards that you're dealt. You can only do that. And so poker is a great metaphor for life. As you can see in your, uh, in your bulletin there, it says life is like a hand of poker. You have to play the cards that you're dealt. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, playing the cards you're dealt. Now, there are three things that are consistent about these cards or these areas in your life. That number one, they are all flawed. Every single one of them is flawed. We talked about last week and subsequent weeks that we are all broken, remember? So we are all flawed to some nature. If you look around our world around us, if one thing 2020 has reminded us is that this world is very, very flawed. 
And we are very, very flawed. So as we look at this, everything is flawed. We have the weather that's flawed, right? Wasn't it 70 degrees a week ago? All right, wasn't it raining? Wasn't it cold? When is that game? Pretty soon, I looked, somebody up north put on their uh, Snapchat story, snow. Remember that stuff? That's coming, all right? Um, our economy is flawed. Does anybody agree with me with that? Our bodies are flawed. Does anybody have a good amen to that one? All right? In case you don't know, I know this is shocking, but our governments are flawed. Just watch. Just, just watch the next couple of days. You'll see how much. Um, our, our marriages and our relationships are flawed. Everything that we see in this world and experience is flawed. There is nothing in your life that will ever, ever be perfect. And that's, this is not heaven. That's not heaven. But that's why we pray. Heaven's perfect, you know. That's why we pray, uh, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because heaven is perfect. So the first thing is, we are broken, this, everything's flawed. The second thing is that God sent Jesus as a Savior. To save us, yes, from hell. To save us, yes, from our sins. But to save us from ourselves. And we're going we're to unpack that here today. And the third thing is, one day we will have to explain to God what we did with our hand and the hand that we're dealt. So I'm going to deal with uh, five different factors. And again, it's a metaphor for what makes you, you. So the first one here that we're going to start with is the first thing that influences me is my chemistry. My chemistry, my DNA, my makeup, my genes, uh, my hormones. Um, it's all that chemical stuff that just is biological. For example, some of you may have a very high pain tolerance, and some of you may have absolutely no pain tolerance. Um, I, I know sometimes you, you, you're like, if somebody just stubs their toe, toe a little bit, like just hits a, they're like, ah, I'm dying, you know, they can't stand it. Somebody will like have their arm cut off and be like, can you get me a Band-Aid? There are, that's how some people are just chemically put together. Or some of you are very high energy. Some people are like, you come into a room and you're bam, like this. Here I am. And some of you are like, how are you doing? You're, very, you're like Eeyore. You're very low energy in your life. Okay? There'll be a test. Which one am I? Okay. Um, but some of you have a very high metabolism. And just to let you know, I dislike you greatly. Right? You, you burn. You could, eat, you could eat just fat back and you would be like, look, nothing. Um, I look at a donut. I gain five pounds. That's who I am. I have a very low metabolism in life. We all have biological deficiencies and weaknesses. How many of you have ever had back issues and your back goes out? All right. Sorry, Rachel, you got that from me. Um, how many have uh, faulty eyesight? There you go. How many have uh, some faulty hearing? Wait, how many have some faulty hearing? There we go. Okay. All right. Some of you may have calcium that's low and you have brittle bones. Anybody, who's, who's broken bones in here? Who has never broken a bone? There you go. Um, some of you may have an iron deficiency or anemia and it's going to affect you. And the, the interesting thing about it is it not only affects you physically but emotionally and mentally, all these things do. They all create these emotional, physical, and, uh, and, so, and just mental, mental issues at times. Like for instance, one of the chemicals that they've done a lot of studies on is something called oxytocin. Oxytocin. And it's a chemical that creates, that is known for creating bonding and connection. To, um, to so many other people in life. Um, and so 
what they have found out that when this is released, it's released in relationship. Uh, if you're low on oxytocin, they find out that you have a difficult time in making relationships with people or connecting to other people. It's re- like, for instance, where it w- is shown as being released uh, majorly is when in a nursing mother with her baby. That oxytocin is released in both of them and brings a bonding nature that is very, very important in those first couple areas. It's released during sexual intimacy, and that's why rejection and brokenness is also something that hurts so much for people. It's even oxytocin, they have also found out that it is released in, if you pet a dog for 20 minutes, it's released in both the, 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 one who, the owner who's petting and the dog, creating a bonding between both of them. So just to recognize, one of the things that I want to say, though, before I go further, go further on this, is, is that no flaw in life is sinful or shameful. It just is. It just is. But we have a different approach. So we have been talking about mental health or mental illness. And we live in a time, and we have for years, where people don't want to talk about it as if it's, as if it's some kind of bad thing, that it's sinful or it's shameful. But mental health is no different than physical illness. Mental illness is no different than physical or emotional illness. Like, for instance, it has a, much of it has a chemical basis. Mental illness, as we look at this, is no more, we should be no more ashamed of having a mental health situation than we do of having cancer. Um, emotional illness is no more to be ashamed of than if we have a degenerative disc in our back. It's just part of who we are, and everything in our lives is broken. Every single thing in our lives is broken, and often there is a chemical reason for it. The, uh, I have some clothing, and I started looking at it. Have you ever bought one of those shirts or, that, or jeans that is, um, it's like says it's uniquely made? It, there's nothing else like it. Like they, they, they make it, and, and the tag actually says this. It says, these jeans have intentional flaws in order to make them unique. And just to let you know, we should put that tag on every single person. The genes, G-E-N-E-S, the genes that you have, have flaws in them to make you unique. And so what would we call those thorns? In the Bible way, we call them the thorn in the flesh. The things that we want to get rid of. The things that the Apostle Paul said, this is constantly in there, and I pleaded to get away with it. But God told us a little bit about grace. So that is our first thing. Our first thing right there is our chemistry. Our next one is our connections. Our connections. There you go. Our connections. When we look at our connections, we're talking about our relationships. I want to tell you something. Every relationship you have or have had is, whether it's good or bad, whether it's healthy or unhealthy, whether it's uplifting or it's abusive, study after study shows that you are largely a product of your relationships, especially the ones that you had when you were young and developing in early years. They shape your identity. In other words, your connection gives your life meaning and purpose. And your life is truly about relationships. There's an example in the Bible that talks about that a man came to Jesus and said, what is life all about? What do I have to do in this life? What is it all about? And Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We call that what? The great commandment. All right? The great commandment. Because he said, what is the greatest commandment? So he said, love the Lord your God 
with all your heart, soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. You notice this is all about relationship. It's about loving God and loving your neighbors. I've said to you before, it's not two commandments. It's, it's, it, the reason why it's called not the greatest, uh, the great commandment and the great commandments, it's not called the commandments, is because we show how we love God by how we love others. They're, they're intertwined. The relationship is so intertwined. It's, um, and, and, and it, but there's a problem. And our problem is our second thing, that we are imperfect here. There's no relationship that is perfect. Not absolutely one. Not, you know, yesterday I did a wedding, and they were having a blast. It was the funnest. It was funny, wasn't it, Bobby? It was funny. They were laughing. I mean, the, the bride couldn't remember what was written down there, and I, had to, I actually just showed her, and she was like, okay. She was nervous. It was a beautiful day, and you know what? It was fun. Because they were, look, they, they were just having, they were being them and having a great time. But I will guarantee you, no matter how loving and how perfect the day was, there will be one day where they will look at each other and not be happy with each other. Am I right? Because guess what? No relationship is perfect. Why? Because we are broken. We are all broken. Um, and so often, we, we hurt each other. We, we give extra stress in each other's lives. Um, we have conflicts. We have fights. We misunderstand each other. We sin, and sin disconnects us from each other. There's a, there's a great, and a lot of times we worry about so much what other people say. And I saw this this morning. I actually saw this quote, and I wrote it down here. It says, don't take criticism from people that you would never go to for advice. Isn't that awesome? Far too often we get criticized and we just crumble at what people say, but I'm not going to ask them for advice in my life, so why the heck do I care what they say about me? Sin disconnects us from God and each other because if this is all about relationship, when sin just means miss the mark of what God intended, it's going to connect us from God and others as well. And there's a perfect illustration of this in the scripture from two people known as Adam and Eve. They had the perfect relationship at the beginning. Everything was good, and they headed for the one thing, not a billion things, but one thing that they weren't supposed to. And then God knew, he showed up, and Adam said, her, blamed her, said that, Lord, notice what he does. He says, God, Eve, that woman that you gave me. You see the brokenness in the relationship? One that was together, he now blames both. He's not only blaming her, but he's blaming God. Come on, God, this was cool before you brought that woman here. Right? That's what he said. And so he's blaming both her and um, and God, and we have been doing that ever since. In our own sin, in our own brokenness of relationships, we are always accusing and excusing. We accuse others and God, and we excuse our own behavior. Time after time, we do that all the time. And so what we find out is, often in this situation, the more, and that disconnects us from God and others, when we do that, it also does something else to us. The more disconnected I am, the more fearful I become. I'm going to say that again. The more disconnected I am from God and others, the more fearful I become because I feel completely alone. When we disconnect from God, we end up fearing God. When I disconnect from you, guess what I do? I fear you. I believe the problem of all the racisms and the isms that we have in our world is because we have become disconnected from each other because of something that we have in our mind and our hearts and, our, and, and what it does is it also disconnects us. So I fear you, so for what I fear, I hate and I avoid or I fight against. And disconnection truly causes fear in our lives. And once, we, once they sinned, 
Adam and Eve were disconnected from God and each other. They sewed fig leaves together and started covering themselves up. And notice who told them that they were naked and needed to cover up. It wasn't God. God didn't tell them that. God said, who, who told you that? It was sin. Sin will always cause us to cover up, to have shame. We cover up physically. We cover up emotionally. We cover up mentally. We cover up shamefully, and it just takes over our lives more and more and more. So that's why we have our chemistry and our connections. And our third thing right here is our circumstances. Our circumstances. These are things that happen to you. They're things that happen around you. And these are often, none of these things are under your control. You didn't choose your chemistry. You didn't choose your initial connections. Like how many of you have, like we're coming up on the holidays. How many of you have that relative that you didn't choose, but they're going to show up? They might be here with you, so just, just blink, and, you know, if you need help. All right? You didn't choose them. And you certainly have not chosen your circumstances. You certainly didn't choose the circumstances that you have. They may say, you know what, 2020, I hope that the world goes kilter and I have to wear a mask everywhere and I hope that I, I lose my job and I hope that friends I have, that it just wipes out millions of people around the earth. They might choose this. No, but, but we've got to do something with it. it. It came to us. There are examples in our own lives that you may have been rejected. You may have faced abuse. You may have had failures. You may have had crisis, catastrophe. Um, that all, all these other things that have left scars on your identity and have affected you. And so the circumstances in life, we're going to talk more about that in a second, but they, they just come about. And sometimes, sometimes you just get up in the morning and say, enough. I don't want it. I'm going to sit in here. See, the other thing that it does, sometimes it makes you want to be afraid and just stay put. But then when you stay put, you think the roof's going to cave in. And that ends up happening there. So we have our circumstances. Our fourth one here is our consciousness. Our consciousness. Our consciousness, what is this? It's how we talk to ourselves or what we think about ourselves. So let me ask you, you ever talk to yourself? Right now you're talking to yourself because I ask if you talk to yourself. And uh, you're saying, yeah, I kind of did talk to myself in that one thing. And um, you know, we, we constantly talk to ourselves. Or if you're like me, you're constantly shouting at yourself with a billion different voices at the same time. Um, that happens. You're constantly talking to yourself. But let me ask you this. If you talk to your friends the way you talk to yourself, you probably wouldn't have them very long. Am I right? What I say to myself influences my identity more than what people say to me. If I tell myself I'm no good, or I'm worthless, or I'll never amount to anything, or I'm really dumb and stupid, or I'm a horrible mother, I'm a horrible child, I'm a horrible father, I'm a horrible spouse, or I'm not attractive, or I'm a loser, blah, 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 whatever I'm saying to myself, then guess what? I believe that. Often I will say it may come from the connections that you had, but you keep it going with the consciousness of what you share with yourself. And when you hear that, 
you file it, and you start to repeat it over and over again. Over and over. Over and over. And it sinks deep into your consciousness. And your habitual thoughts equal your identity. What you constantly think of yourself, what you constantly think about yourself, becomes the identity that you live out. You can fake it for at points in time, but really it will rise to the top because honestly, no matter what anybody else says, you believe what you think about yourself. In Proverbs 23, verse 7, it says, For as he thinks in his heart, what is it? So he is. How you think about yourself is who you really are. I have told people time and time again, your perception is your reality. Whether it's in some type of counseling, particularly, let's say, a relationship counseling, when I have a marriage or relationship counseling, they all have a perspective going in there about why they're having issues. Guess what? That is each person's reality until it is shaped and discussed and given something different where they, where they say they have to believe what is real. That's why people say there are, there are three sides to every story, yours, mine, and the truth. Because we all have a perception. And often, I want to tell you, there's the same thing that you have in your life. There is a perception of what God thinks about you. There's a perception of what others think about you. And then there's a reality that you believe about yourself that is truly shaping your identity. So our consciousness and what we think can be crippling at some times. In Proverbs 4, 23, it says, Be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. Every action, everything that we've done, even if you are somebody who's so impulsive that does something, you have thought about it at least for a split second before you've done it. The bad thing is fears we have are often self-fulfilling. And so we end up sabotaging ourselves. I know we sang that song, and I know um, Becky usually sings it called Fear is a Liar, and that's the truth. Fear is fake, but it keeps us rolling on. So I want you to write this down. I don't have a blank here, but write it down. Feelings aren't facts, and feelings will fail you. Feelings are not facts, and they will fail you. All right, so here we go. We have these four here, and we've got one more. The thing is, you were created in the image of God, right? That's what we're told. Mago Dei is what they say. We are created in the image of God. No other animals were created like you and me. And what is that? You have a freedom, a free will, which is choices. You have choices. And choice is the greatest blessing and the greatest curse that we can possibly have. We make stupid choices all the time. Don't you? Anybody make a stupid choice this week? Anybody going to do one pretty soon today? Yep. We all make stupid choices. We make self-defeating choices. We make harmful choices that harm ourselves and others, that harm our bodies, that harm our circumstances, and harm our, our uh, connections, and harm everything around us. But there is some good news about this card right here. This card right here, this one right here, is a wild card. This one is the best wild card because this card can change the suit and number of all the other cards when we do the right choice. 
It can change every single area of what we have been, what our situations and everything that have been dealt to us. And God gives us this, that if it's put in the hands of the master, the hands of Jesus, that it changes absolutely everything else, our choices. They can determine the other cards. And let me give you an example. I didn't get to choose my chemistry. But I can choose what to do with my body that God has given me and how I can make the most with what I got. I am never going to compete with LeBron James in the finals of the NBA. I can't jump. I would die running up and down the court. He has skills that I don't have that were dealt to him. But I can do things with this awesome body that he can't because I am complex and unique because God created me for a reason. So the choices I make with this body can improve it. Right? I didn't get to choose all of my relationships, but I can choose how to respond to them. I don't get to control everything that happens to me, but I can choose how I respond to it. Okay? I don't get to choose my consciousness, the stuff that people said to me that I believe about me, that is stuck down here, but I can choose to stop believing them. I can choose to think differently. I can choose a different consciousness. I can control my thoughts. We talked about that a lot last week. I can change the rudder of the boat and change the direction where I end up. Ultimately, my identity is based on my choices, and it's the wild card that can change everything else in my life. I tell my kids all the time, and they're probably rolling their eyes now. I'm not going to look at them. I always say, bad choices, bad consequences. Good choices, Good consequences. It is a matter of choice. Now, I can't do anything about these things. I can't do anything about what's happened to me in my circumstance. I can't choose all the relationships. If I have a teacher, I can't stand. If I have a boss I don't like, I can, guess what? Chances are that's their chemistry or something else that was given to them and dealt to them. I can choose what I do with it. I can choose to put them in a compartment and just deal with them because I like my job. Or I can choose to get another job. Are you with me? Anybody with me? Okay. So what I'm saying is my choice will affect all those things. I can I can't choose the body that was given to me with all the health concerns, with all the other things, but I can choose to get my rear end up and get to the gym and eat healthy and not eat chocolate cake and ice cream every meal. Uh-huh. It's about choices. It changed, it's a game changer. It is the wild card that we have. And so we have five winning choices that God gives to us that changes everything. And the first one is this. I can choose to get healthier. Regardless of the challenge, based on my chemistry, as I just said, I can choose to be healthier than I am right now. Now, I am never going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. Never. I'm never going to be, I, like I have friends who run long distances. No, I like to drive long distances. But guess what? I will do what I have to do. I get up, four, I have four days a week, Actually, five, sorry, five days a week that I do at least cardio for uh, half an hour or 45 minutes. Do I like it? No. 
I don't. It's not my, would I rather be sitting home doing something else? Would I rather be eating pizza every day? You are darn right. But guess what? This is what I've been given. This is all I got. I'm not getting anything different. So in order to have that be the healthiest that I am, and there was times in my life that I made the choices to go along with the chemistry to take it in a bad direction. Now, I make conscious choices by doing, by doing this. Do you think I like eating brown rice every day? That's not bad, but I do. I do every day. I was the guy who wanted to eat bologna sandwiches all the day. Right? That's what I wanted. Fried stuff. That all the time. And I can have that at times, but guess what? Scripture tells us, hey, Jack, all things in moderation. I made a choice to get healthier. I am never going to be taller. I've stunned it out. There are things that I can't, I can't change the controllables in my, I can, can change the controllables. I can be in better shape. I can extend my life by eating right, sleeping, which I struggle with, doing right, and being right. Things like that. Psalm 119. Remember that one that we, we were in that section? Here's what it says in the Living Bible. You made my body, Lord. Now give me sense to heed your laws. Right, God, you made my body now. Smack me upside the head so I can listen to it. That's what he said. Like, maybe I need to get a checkup. I'm not going to the doctor. You know how many times I've heard people that said, oh, yeah, they died of a heart attack. They never wanted to go to the doctor. They were having chest pains for three days and never wanted to go. You know how many funerals I've done for people like that? Maybe you need to just go get some blood work. Maybe you need to go see a dentist. Maybe you need to see a counselor. I am a major proponent of a counselor. Let me tell you how how off this would be, more off, if I didn't go to one regularly. That has been the best thing for my own mental health because it affected all those other areas when I needed to get some stuff clear in my head about these things that went on in my life, that my chemistry, my connections in life, um, that there were situations that happened to me when I was younger that shaped my life until in my 40s that I never dealt with, and they damaged me at an area, and I spent more of my time being Adam and Eve and covering those things up, and it about destroyed me in those times. And I, then I started to believe things about myself that were not true. But then I made a choice. I finally made a choice, and I picked up a phone and said, hey, and often what we'll do is we'll say, oh, I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to call a counselor. I'm going to go ahead to the doctor. I'm going to get blood work. I'm going to do this. And we say, oh, no, I feel better today. I'm not going to do it. And we dismiss it. And before we know it, these are controlling us, not, our, not the wild card. And so we need to go ahead and check things. You know, William Shakespeare said it's impossible to be a philosopher with a toothache. We have, you're going to focus on the toothache, not about life. So that's the, that's the first thing. The second thing is, it's my connection card. I can choose to deepen my relationships. I can intentionally choose to make my relationships better, the ones that I have. I can learn some communication skills. I can build some new healthy relationships. And I'm going to tell you, those bad relationships you have in your life, cut those suckers off. I, you know, I got to tell you, I, Danny and I have this conversation a lot. I don't expect a lot from friends, but I expect something. One of the things I expect from people is you to respond and go out of your way occasionally. By out of your way, I mean you call and say, how you doing? Haven't talked to you in a while. I don't think I should always be the one that has to say, hey, how are you? How are you? How are you? Do, 
that kind of stuff. And guess what? I've reached a point in my life that I've had enough of those connections in my life that just want to take and suck me dry. You know what I mean? When they need something, you are there. When they want to ask something, you are there. But when you need something, it's like playing Where's Waldo. You can't find them. And, and I don't believe that's what I need that's healthy for my lifestyle. So as much as I love somebody, I'm not telling you that they're bad people. I'm just saying they're bad friends. And I don't need that in my relationship because you know what it does? It works me up and it makes me angry and it makes me fearful and it does all these kind of things. So we need to go ahead. There are some people in your life that you just need to cut off. And there are others that you just need to be the one to develop some other things to improve. Often we don't create new relationships because we have fear. Fear of rejection. And fear of rejection blocks connection. So how do I get rid of that fear? In 1 John 4.18 it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. Why, why does it do that? Because love, perfect love is about relationship. God and others. And you know what that does? It takes the focus off of me and puts it on God and others. Um, it's like the panic, panic attacks. Do you realize that approximately 2.4 million Americans have a panic disorder in every given year? And about 30% of people with panic disorders abuse, end up abusing alcohol and or drugs? Fear is always worse than the reality. Because fear torments you 24 hours a day. The reality may just be for the moment, for maybe an hour. So that's why 1 Corinthians 14 says, let love be your highest goal. Maybe you've loved. Maybe you've been vulnerable and you got burned. But love means risking connections. It means stepping out of your comfort zone. If I shut down, if love shut down one place, then guess what? Somebody else needs love. Maybe there's a shut-in. Maybe there's somebody who's elderly. Or maybe there's children who have no parents, no loving parents in their life. You've got love to give from God and others. So get, if somebody else doesn't want it, guess what? Give it somewhere else. Because there's a lot of people who need it. In case you don't know, take a look around our world. And that's why we ought to pray every day what it says in Ephesians chapter 3. I pray that Christ will live in your heart by faith and that your life will be, look at this, strong in love and built on love. That's something that we just need to pray time and time again. Okay, number three, for my circumstances card. I can choose to trust God no matter what happens. This is a completely unique identity, that I can trust God regardless. And in Romans chapter 8, I love the message version. It says, he knows us far better than we know ourselves. So if God knows us better than we know ourselves, then we should trust him, not our own judgment. He knows what's better for me. And that's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. That God is taking all this stuff, all the stuff that may not be so good, and he's making it good. He's going to work it into something good. Even if the situation is horrific, he is working it into something good. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. Isn't that comforting? God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. I will be 50 years old this April, and I still don't know what I'm doing. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him. That's you and me. Along the same lines of his son. The goal is to make me like Jesus. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. 
We see the original and intended shape of our lives in there in Jesus. Jesus is what God had intended before sin separated us and broke that relationship of love. And since then, we have been having problems, and we are diseased in this world. COVID's not the worst disease. Sin is because it separates us from the love. It tries to separate us from the love of God in each other, and therefore that's why we have all these turmoils, all these struggles, all these other things, because we have been disconnected by fear with the love of God. Isn't it comforting to know that God knows what he's doing from the very beginning? God wants every circumstance, every situation, all the good, the bad, and the entirely disgusting and ugly that has happened to me, God wants to take that horrific thing and he wants to turn it to good if you'll make the right choice. And so Psalm 34, 1 says, I will praise the Lord no matter what happens. It's a real choice. It's, it's not something that Hollywood or presidential candidates or political parties, or Wall Street, or colleges, or bank accounts, or passions, or possessions, or anything else understands. It's built on a relationship of love with God that nothing can take away. And I just want to give you a warning. I can make a choice to stop connecting to God and others. And I guarantee you, fear will enter like it never has before. In other words, you are a product. Excuse me. I'm a product of, of my past, but I'm not a prisoner to it. Okay, number four, and then we, we're almost done here, all right? Hang in here. All right, it's my consciousness card. I can choose what to think about. I can't choose what other people say about me or what they say to me, but I can choose what I believe about what they say and not allow my mind to get there. The, you know the whole, you can't teach an old dog new tricks? In 2002, the Nobel Prize for Neurobiology was won by a man who proved that you can adapt and change the way the adult brain thinks if you just give it time and effort and healing. And so 2,000 years before that, we had this verse from Romans chapter 12 that says, do not copy the behavior and patterns of this world, but let God transform, change your mind, change your brain, transform you. That is called, that word for transformation is metamorphosis. From a butterfly, from a, a caterpillar, chrysalis, to a butterfly is exactly what God wants to do. So let him transform you into a new person. How do you get transformed into a new person? Not by, not by uh, you know, just uh, doing things or being good, by the way that you think is what the scripture tells us there. So go feed your brain with truth. You kind of got that scale, and we fill it too much with negativity. All right? And our last one here. I can choose Jesus as my Savior. The fifth card is the wild card. And I'm not just saying a point in time. I'm saying you can commit to him being your savior. Not to just save you out of hell into heaven, which that's one thing the church has done wrong over 2,000 years. We've just talked about people getting saved and getting you from the fire pits of hell, and that's important, but we forgot that this is an everyday thing that we need to do. I'm talking about Jesus changing everything, my savior in every day. That I get the power to follow these choices, not my will, but his power. And then I can depend on Jesus to give me the power to do these things. So as I look here, I need Jesus as my Savior to save me from my chemistry. I need him, and I'm going to make a choice to make him my Savior in my chemistry so that he can go ahead and in my life save me from my, my heart, my body, and my mind that I just settle for what's there. I need him to change 
my relationship, uh, to go ahead and change my, re- my relationships by making them healthy, by seeking out healthy ones, by seeking out godly ones, by spending time to get away from the harmful ones that I have. I need to go ahead and let God, uh, Jesus as my Savior, to go ahead and change my circumstances. Those horrific, abusive, torturous things that have, that have taken over my life, I'm going to allow him to change them and, uh, and do something with them and to release me from the bondage that those things had me in and the trauma that has placed me in in my life. And I need Jesus to save me from my mind, that I'm not believing what others say I am, that I'm that I'm going to change the way I think to believe, put on the mind of Christ and believe I am who, I, who he says I am. That's why I'm told to put on the helmet of what? Salvation. What does that do for me? It guards my mind so it protects me from any thought that comes from anyone else or Satan. And the card five is my choices. God, I don't only need you to save me from sin. Jesus, you're my savior, not only from sin, but you are my savior from myself. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us when someone becomes a Christian, they become a brand new person inside. They're not the same anymore. A new life has begun. It is being born, it's like being born again. That's what we cause it. You get it, you, all those things were given to you, but because of the choice of making Jesus your Savior, it changes everything else in life. And so the the cards that you've been dealt in your life, although as bad as they are, guess what? Because of the fifth card, the wild card, it changes it all because his name is Jesus. You've been waiting on God. Maybe some of you are waiting on God to say, bring change in my life. Come on, God. I'm waiting for you to do something. And he's saying, I'm just waiting for you to use the wild card of my son to change everything. When I use the wild card that God has given me, I choose get healthier. I choose to start risking by forming healthy relationships. I choose to trust God no matter what the circumstances are that have been done to me. I choose to change the way I think. And when I choose Jesus as my Savior, he takes the cards that I was dealt and he gives me a winning hand. And that's our God. Amen? All right, let's worship him and get out of here today, all right? So you can put this into practice. Because guess what? If you got all, woo, look at that. Yeah, I'm going to go play cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're all excited about that and you do nothing with it, with that, that wild card, then guess what? You're going to stay in the same situations and predicaments that you are. So it's time for the church to erupt and take on that wild card of Jesus and take on the world. So I'm going to ask you to stand where you are. I don't know if anybody's ever seen the World Series of Poker. Never seen that? Oh, you'll play it, but you won't watch it. I got it. All right. So, but in, in, in that, when there's people that when they win, they jump up, they run all around, they scream, and they yell because they, they received a good chunk of change. Just to let you know, our hand always wins with Jesus. And by our hand winning... You, we should be, we shouldn't be defeated. Oh, COVID, okay, yeah, I see that COVID, but I know what the choice I have with it. His name is Jesus, and, he, and he's going to change my life. And by doing so, woo, I win. I win it all. I don't just win a bunch of chips that I can collect and I cash in. No, here's what I got. I have 
regardless of the circumstances of life, I have the victory. Regardless of what my body's breaking down, I can be the Apostle Paul and say, free me from this prison I call my flesh. So I can be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I forgot what I was going to say after that. No, keep it going. It's awesome. When I think about myself, when I change the thought and say, I am God's child and I am a prince because I'm a child of the king. Or I'm a princess because I'm a child of the king. That should change everything about what anybody's ever told me or about what I've told myself in my whole entire life. Because we have a victory. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory in the wild card of Jesus Christ. So Lord, we come to you today in this last song that we sing. We're not only going to sing this song, but we're going to live this song. Because God, there are many people who day in and day out have been told that they have something. They've been labeled with something. And because it may be a mental, a mental health issue or a mental illness, they feel like they are less worthy. But God, they're no less worthy than someone who is, who's been dealing with cancer or someone who has a bad back. That God, we, we can't do anything about this chemistry that we were given. We recognize that this is not what you intended. And our world has fallen. And it's broken. But God, you tell us that anyone who is in Christ, there is a new creation. The old, all those other things have gone and the wild card of Jesus Christ has come. So today, God, I am not who somebody said I am. I am not the situation that happened to me. I am not uh, the, the, uh, the connections that I have and I'm not my chemistry. I am a child of the king and here's the wild card. And so look out, world, because I am believing for the first time today. I'm believing, I'm believing, and I'm going to take it into the world that I need Jesus not only save me from sin in heaven, but I need him to save me from myself and my own thoughts. So guess what? Look out, world. As broken as you are, as broken as it's going to become and whatever happens on Tuesday, I got the wild card, so I'm good. So Jesus, we're going to sing in the victory. You gave your life up for us. And there's somebody here right now in the sound of my voice that just has never said, I need a Savior. Not only from sin and to get out of hell, but in my life. I need you. The name is Jesus. Let's worship him. Calling me by name 
and I'm singing in the victory, the victory of the cross. I'm resting in the shadow of your redeeming love. I'm standing on the promise, the promise of your life, because I am yours forever. And Jesus, you are mine. Jesus, you are mine. When I have forgotten the fullness of your Yes, I remember Calvary And where you took my place I'm singing in the victory The victory of the cross I'm resting in the shadow Of your redeeming love I'm standing on the promise, the promise of your life, cause I am yours forever, and Jesus, you are mine, Jesus, you are mine, yeah, Jesus, you are mine, there is no one like you. Love immeasurable and strong And there is no one like you, God So lead this heart to sing in There is no one like you, God Love immeasurable and strong. There is none like you, God. So leave this heart to sing in of your life cause I am yours forever and Jesus you are mine Jesus you are mine Jesus you are mine there's no one like you there is no one like you 
victory, the victory of the cross. I'm resting in the shadow of your redeeming love. I'm standing on the promise, the promise of your life. Because I am yours forever. And Jesus, you are mine. Jesus, you are mine. All right, everyone, have a great week. I messed it up. Last week, uh, last week I gave you what next week is. It's the role of the church when it comes to mental health. Have a great week. God bless. And hey, guess what? It's the mighty hand that saves right there. Have a great week.